Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. All right. Central Time in Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. I know you're joining me from all over, East Coast, West Coast, some of you in Canada, some of you in Trinidad, Tobago, some of you beyond. And I thank you, thank you, thank you. I've got Instagram here with me on a separate camera, so I'm going to turn and say something to them every once in a while because this multi-streaming has not jived with Instagram yet, but I want to include my Instagram family. First of all, welcome to this edition of The Coaching Corner, and it's the live episode of The Culture Soup Podcast. And we typically go live every second Tuesday of the month, and mostly we've been going live on LinkedIn. Recently, we've added Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, so more of my community could join. And, you know, we Took a little hiatus from LinkedIn because the algorithm wasn't quite doing what we needed it to do. But it's okay now that we have all these other folks with us. So hi to everybody. Shout me out. I will be able to see your comments wherever you're commenting from right here on my screen. Today is very, very special because we are going to be talking about my new book. That's right. My new book. And it's so fresh. It just released yesterday. The author proofs just came to me from Amazon. <laughs> My printer is coming tomorrow. But this thing is already, let me tell you, the copy's like butter because my team of editors, just impeccable job, turned this thing around in less than a week with all the editing. And it looks really good to me. I'm very proud of this. This is a letter of love to my sisters for black women, women of color, Anybody that wants to come along, but it's especially for her. She's been struggling, y'all. And I've walked in her very polished pumps before. Um, Those of you that know me know that I'm a serial entrepreneur. I am also former leader from global agencies, some of the largest, and former leader from a Fortune 10. And many of you know what that is. I think the perspective that I have being inside and outside of corporate, being an entrepreneur brings a special flavor to this writing that's here in this book. And I'll give you a little background because this book (laughs) is interesting. Um, I have several books right here, right here on the computer. Uh, Let me take you back to 2018, uh, probably, yeah, 2018. And this is chronicled in the book a little bit. That's about the time when I decided that I needed to begin to diversify what I had going for myself. I was very comfortable at this big company, but I also knew that I had a lot that I wanted to achieve. And this goes back to a list that I made when I was in grad school. In grad school, y'all, I was probably 22 years old. And I made a list of all the things that I wanted to do in life that I couldn't do right then because didn't have the credibility, didn't have the expertise, didn't have the credentials, didn't have the tribe, didn't have any anything. I didn't know anything. I was 22. But I wanted to write. One of the things I wanted to do was write books. 
The other thing that I wanted to do was travel and speak. The other thing that I wanted to do was have a consulting business. You see where this is going, right? All six of these things in the list. And if you don't know, the list is actually in the book. It's in chapter one. All of these things that I wanted to do. And I realized in 2019, a year later, after I started this business, that I had almost ticked off all six of them. And it became apparent to me that it was really important that I see about the last two. Okay. So I already had started writing books and I had this thing that happened. A really good friend of mine, Michael Lehman, who happens to be that guy's manager, Rev Run, who of course I was working with during the time, um, was dispatched by Rev, which is a little bit mind blowing. And he told him, help Michelle. He knew I was speaking. Um, he wanted to see me grow in that area. He also wanted to help me in whatever else I wanted to do. So I told Michael at that point, writing books was really what I wanted to do next step. And so he uh, was able to get me connected with one of the big five publishers. Crazy how this happened. Like I didn't know anything about publishing, but here I was <laughs> emailing rapid fire with a senior vice president and a senior editor from one of the oldest imprints out there for a big five. And I didn't even have a proposal, y'all. Didn't even have a proposal. Didn't have one at all. But I was smart. Thank goodness that I had my marketing and strategic communications background because the title of this book, some of you may recognize. I floated a couple of ebooks that were very rudimentary. They weren't even commercialized. They were just on my site and they contained a smidgen of content that I really wanted to test and see how it went. And much of that content was based on many of my speaking opportunities. I was traveling like crazy, y'all. Starting in 2016, all the way up until now, it's been nonstop with speaking. And most of those speaking opportunities were reactive. I wasn't even pitching them, okay? So anyway, part of my content strategy, and if you've been a part of some of my masterclasses or webinars, we talk about the importance of content, you'll know that my content strategy really was born out of this. I didn't have a lot of time. So what I would do was I'd speak, but before I spoke, I'd take the notes that I'd written and either write something for Black Enterprise where I was a contributor, or I would wait until after and either write for Black Enterprise or write for LinkedIn, okay? If you do that over and over and over again consistently, you will amass a lot of content. And let me just encourage you that are out there and shout out to Leah Rankins, who is my literary editor that helped me put together my first proposal. She said this on one of her Instagram posts, and I want to tell you this too. Don't waste it all on social media, okay? Don't waste it all there. Keep some of that for yourself because I think what you'll find is you will amass enough content to begin writing books for those of you that are interested in doing it. But I digress. 2018 happens and I decide I need one place for all of my content. And I call Summer Galvez. Summer is out there with SG Creative and she goes to my church and she's great at designing websites if you need anybody. But I call Summer and I said, Summer, you know what? I want you to um, design a site for me and I don't want it to be a blog. I want it to be a place 
where all of my content is stored. And whether it was media coverage where people have covered me, or if it was my writings from Black Enterprise, from LinkedIn, from wherever, I want there to be one space where people can get to my content. And the reason behind that is twofold. One, if Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, if any of these things go away tomorrow, remember they're free and someone else owns them, my content wouldn't go up in smoke. If for some reason Google didn't Google anymore, <laughs> there's one place where you can find my content. So that's another reason why if you haven't gotten your own URL, you need to go get it and start planning an actual site, okay? Own your content. My friend, Young Guru, uh, told me this some years ago, 2015, out on the West Coast. Um, we worked with him too, and he was out speaking to the young people, and one of the things he said was, own your content, whether you're a musician, whether you're an artist, whether you're a writer, okay, all of that good stuff. So anyway, you may recall that one of those first eBooks was called No Thanks. It had a different subtitle, but it was called No Thanks. What's interesting is that my proposals that I finally shared, and I'm going to get, there we go. My IG went off for a second. Uh, one of the proposals, the proposals that I put in front of these big five publishers didn't have this title, didn't have it at all. Had some other titles and some other titles that you may see in the future, that's for sure. Um, but because of this space and time where we find ourselves, very interesting space and time. I tell you, and I call it that um, triangulated smoldering crisis. Now, smoldering crisis is a term in strategic communications. And that means that it's a crisis where we don't really see the end of it. Unlike 9-11, those planes hit those buildings, they crashed in the field, and three, one, two, three planes down, boom, it was over and we dealt with the fallout. We haven't seen the fallout of this pandemic meets economic crisis meets crisis in leadership, okay? All three of them, right? All three of them. Um, there's another crisis going on that's cultural. Yeah, race, anti-blackness, black people dying at the hands of police, all of that. People say George Floyd triggered it. Yes, yes, his killing probably was the tip of the iceberg. But I submit that if it weren't for the other two or three, we probably wouldn't be where we are right now and there wouldn't be a worldwide rebuke on racism. Now, what we do with it well, it remains to be seen, but this pandemic, we don't know when it's gonna end. Nobody can estimate that's a smoldering crisis. Something that happens quickly and it's over and you see the fallout, that's an, an acute crisis, okay? Two different things. Um, my sister asked me about the term smoldering crisis coming up a few times in this book, um, but that's the reason why. It's a real term and it's one that we use to talk about a crisis that doesn't end and it just festers. This triangulated crisis has created a perfect storm of such. It's not all bad, it's horrible. We've got death, we've got people losing jobs, we've got all of that. But how many of you have noticed that there has been more than one silver lining in this crisis? More than one. One of them, I submit, is that 
underrepresented groups, especially black people, especially black women, have an opportunity to step up and lead in ways that we haven't before. And it's not just because, oh, I just selected these folks. There's data to prove that we not only have it in our DNA, but we also have it in our experience. A traumatic experience generation over generation, but also in the professional realm, in speaking to my good girlfriend, Sora, roommate on the Culture Soup podcast, probably about three episodes ago, Keisha Kelly, she is a chief nursing officer um, at one of the largest hospital systems. We talked about this. We're over-educated, over-credentialed, and I'm talking about professional black women, okay? Over-educated. And we knew this talking to each other, but it, until the 2000 census came out, um, probably 2016 census, where they noted that black women have more advanced degrees than any other group, we discussed the why. One of the reasons is that we're always, always having to prove ourselves again and again and again. And what's the one way that we understand that if we get our paper, we can come back and show these folks that we're ready, even after years of experience, is to go get that MBA, is to go get that PhD, is to go get that master's degree, to get multiple certifications, to do all of these things. So we are overprepared after being passed over, over and over again. Okay, so the leadership pipeline in the workplace. It goes like this, and somewhere in the middle, before you get to the C-suite and executive leadership, there is a gaping hole. First thing that is spewing out is women, period. Women of all kinds. Somewhere in middle management, we don't know if it's like life. We don't know if it's the culture inside the workplace. We don't know if it's American culture that pressures us around family. And we don't know what that is. Women are spewing out, okay? But let me tell you who's spewing out faster than anyone. Women of color. No matter what color you are, and I keep having to turn my Instagram back on because my, uh, there we go. All right, try that again. Um, women of color, and there are biases there, okay? There's research that shows. Catalyst Research showed it. Women in the workplace, McKinsey.org. Okay, um, McKinsey and Company, LeanIn.org. Those reports that keep coming back year over year to tell us more about what's going on when it comes to women in the workplace, they show that women of color have it even worse. Now, when it comes to black women, they say we have it even worse. And part of that reason is because the way corporate America is set up, it is centered around white maleness. White maleness. Now, this shouldn't shock anybody. Nobody should be like, what are you talking about? No, everybody knows this. Color and gender. Look, at, look who's at the table, okay? Look who's at the top of the food chain. Most of them white men. Right now, there are only a handful of black CEOs, none of them women. Haven't seen one since Ursula Burns in 2016, okay? So something's happening where black women aren't making it up the chain. It's this gaping hole that's happening. And one of two things is happening with black women and women of color and many women, but mostly black women. They're either getting stuck 
and they're staying there for 10, 15 years. And I'm talking about not even getting past VP, not getting past AVP or senior director. I'm saying they get stuck or they jump. They take all their degrees and say, you know what? I'm opting out of the BS and I'm starting my own business. That according to Catalyst Research and also to the U.S. Census, black women are starting businesses at a faster clip than any other demographic. So there's a problem, y'all, especially if you want to stay in corporate and you have executive leadership dreams. What do you do? That's what we talk about. We're not even just talking about getting to the table. We're already in the room. We're at the table. How do we get to the C-suite? That's what this book is about, y'all. So I not only chronicle some anecdotes from my experience, having been in the C-suite myself, running my own company, being an executive at these global firms, supporting the C-suite for half of my career, and then also having some of the most bomb sponsors and mentors that have voices in this book. So without further ado, I think I'm going to read to you. And what I wanted to check out for you um, is about how we as black women, especially in corporate America, run up against several kinds of biases. And they aren't simply from white people. I want to let you know that Privilege is layered and we get into the idea of privilege in this book and we talk about the different kinds of layered privileges and then we also talk about how white privilege, white male privilege is one of those things that is centered in corporate America, but it's also something that you can flip and use to your advantage. But we also talk about how the others who surround these white men who are centered and everybody else who is not, because you know what? It takes everybody to center somebody, okay? You're, we're all in on it. We're all in on it. We're bought in on it. This is, this is why <laughs> we go and work for these companies and they're built this way. That's just how it is. And we accept it to a degree. There are those of us who accept it even more than others. So much so that you will find that people of color will do things to actually keep other people of color and other, other underrepresented groups out of the C-suite, out of executive, out from progressing. And sometimes they can do the dirty work, not even realizing it because even they don't think or see people of color as worthy or having the value or having the leadership or even the entitlement to be in a decision-making mode. So let's see, this is from chapter... Four, <clears throat> I will be my best advocate. There are seven affirmations in this book. Along with self-talk, there are some other pieces of advice in here and insights and a lot of coaching to help you get to the next level. Um, this is around when your star begins to rise. Now, as a coach, executive coach, I've been talking to women, especially women of color, a lot and a whole bunch of black women who have some of the same stories, some of the same stories. And I'm just going to lose Instagram because my phone just keeps going to sleep. I'm trying y'all. Okay. When your star begins to rise, what can happen? Okay. And sometimes it's the power center. Sometimes it's your own people. Okay. 
Be aware of the unwritten rules and navigate them like a fox. I mentioned the political craziness that was brewing on my floor because of the unprecedented change that the company was going through. New leaders were making up rules as we went along and dismantling everything my original boss and I had established. By this time, I was absolutely exhausted. You couldn't convince me at this point to fight, to stay on the road, speaking as much as I had been. I had a small child at home with whom I wanted to be with more as she navigated school. I was getting paid to speak at the, in the, I wasn't getting paid to speak for, let me say that again. I wasn't getting paid to speak in the first place. So my system was this. While the speaking invitations kept coming, my manager needed to know that there was demand for the company message on diversity and inclusion. And as it pertained to strategic communications, he needed to know that there were opportunities for the company to shine. So I would share the opportunities that came my way, knowing full well that I had no desire to do them and that they had no desire to allow me to take them. My manager would either shoot them down or pretend as if he pursued pursuit, approval, but never did. And the opportunities would die. I knew at that point that those last minute declines were doing more to hurt the brand than myself. And I welcomed the extra time at home with my little one. Workplace challenges like these really rest squarely on the mindset you decide to take. Understand that your brand has its own value and your company needs that value to reach audiences it could not reach on its own. Some may accuse you of using their platform to broaden their brand, even when your message is clearly about their own. Allow your tribe to center you and tell you the truth. Your brand has value and your speaking, social sharing, and other forms of employee advocacy actually come at a premium. You will more than likely never get compensated for these activities. You're literally saving your company marketing budget when you post on social media or speak for free on their behalf, and they are not paying an influencer to do the same advocacy. So you want to always find a message in the mess, okay? This is just to acknowledge that political craziness happens, and sometimes um, biases are cloaked in politics. Political nonsense in the workplace can take a toll on you. You will go through, however, I've heard more than one preacher say that there is always a message in the mess. It's our job to look for the positive opportunities and move forward with those. In my case, a negative situation proved to be the thing that would tee up my ability to build my value in the marketplace and inside the company. If you stay with your authenticity, excellence, and integrity, you will ultimately win. Naysayers always look for the irrelevant and petty ways to try to pull you down, diminish you, or put you in your place. I frequently ask my clients, what can you learn from this negative situation that you can use to get to your goal? I discovered my market value during this trying time, carved out a viable business, and learned resilience in the face of adversity. I never will forget the many people who said to me during that time, I carried myself with grace, and that my posture during the time was amazing. When you know who you are and whose you are, and it's simply what you do. Yeah, then it's simply what you do. Know the difference and keep shining, sis. Okay, I won't read anymore, but that's part of an anecdote. And one of the things that you need to know about this book 
It's not just about storytelling. It's steeped in applied positive psychology. And we talk about mindset shifts. One of the mindset shifts that I want black women, women of color to begin to take on is not just one that's positive, but one that is entrepreneurial. I'm going to stop and say that again. One that is entrepreneurial. That does not mean that you need to go out and start a business. You can. You can. Okay. In fact, there's a part of the book that talks about other streams of income leaning outside of the company in order to lean in. But what you need to understand is this transformational leader that they say that they want in these companies. If you dissect what that really means, it's an entrepreneurial spirit. It's someone who's going to run to the risk. It's somebody who is going to instigate or manage through change. It's not just a person who sits and makes the widgets every day and does a great job at it. Those aren't the leaders that they want. So the entrepreneurial mindset that I put into place is a growth mindset. Carol Dweck is one of the foremost psychologists in applied positive psychology that talks about growth and fixed mindsets. Growth mindsets know that failure is going to happen. Failure doesn't mark them. Failure is a way to grow and learn. A fixed mindset says, I'm not going to do that because I'm scared. I'll fail. And if I fail, what will I do next? And for many of us that have been through generational trauma as a culture, we default to the fixed mindset and we need to make an intentional, an intentional effort to get out of that. One way is positive self-talk. There are other ways in this book and I actually coach you through it and there's a coaching guide at the end, but we talk about the three prongs of entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship and how you can do it inside your company, outside your company and doing it at the same time. So anyway, I hope that this has been enlightening for you. I hope there's something here that has interest you. If you want to pick up the book, yes, it is live on Amazon. You can download it on Kindle. You can get it right away. Amazon has free shipping and they'll do it in a couple of days if you want to. I will tell you though, if you order from my site, lmichellesmith.com, you will be able to get this paperback. It's going to be a little bit different, special edition. The spine is red. You'll see that there will be some hardbacks too, but you'll also get a no thanks digital toolkit, which has about $750 worth of content for you that goes right along with this book. I really hope that you will look into no thanks, seven ways to say, I'll just include myself, a guide to rockstar leadership for women of color in the workplace. It is my love letter to my sisters and I hope that you'll come along for the journey. I really want to be along your journey to see you to executive leadership. That's all I have today. This has been the Coaching Corner for the Culture Soup podcast. We air every second Tuesday. And of course, the regular show, the Cornerstone show every Thursday. So you'll hear me again on Thursday. But this will replay and stream from here on out everywhere fine podcasts are heard. Thank you so much to everyone who supported me, this book, this show, anything that I've done, my coaching, uh, my speaking, anybody that has supported L. Michelle Smith and No Silos Communications LLC, which now has an imprint. That's all I got for you. See you online. The Coaches Podcast is a production of No Silos Communications LLC.
The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.